0: Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck.
1: Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in and join us. I'm excited about our show today. We have two guests. We have Kathy Stevens, who is the co-founder of the Catskill Animal Sanctuary. And we have um, Linda Soper-Colton, who is a chef at the Catskill Animal Sanctuary. And together, they and one of Linda's co-chefs, Sarah Bowen, um, they have put together a brand new cookbook for vegan lifestyle. Um, It's a cookbook called Compassionate Cuisine. And we're going to talk to them today about the cookbook. We're going to talk about the Catskill Animal Sanctuary. And uh, this is going to be a great show. I'm excited to have them on. And welcome to Go Green Radio, ladies. We are super glad to have you on the show. Kathy, I'm going to start with you. You know, Jill. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Kathy, I'm going to start with you because you're the co-founder of the Catskill Animal Sanctuary that got going in 2001. Tell our listeners about the sanctuary, how it got started, and how it's grown over the years.
2: Sure. The sanctuary was came about from my desire to combine my love for teaching and learning, having been a high school English teacher, with my love for animals, having grown up on a farm. And and 10 years into being a high school English teacher, when I was offered the job of principal of a new charter high school, um, it was... It was, I, I turned the job down because it was the, the wrong kind of school. It was a media and technology school, and to say that that's kind of ain't my thing is an understatement. Sort of the understatement of the century. I, I, my standard joke is that I should have been born in 1600, um, and I can't wait to climb a tree and eat mangoes and be done with some of this technology. So I turned the job down. And decided to combine those two passions, and they remain my two passions. The, the belief that good education should be transformational somehow, should make each individual, should expand each individual in some way, and this, this deep love for animals. And that was 19 years ago, and since that time, we've rescued over 5,000 from direct emergency rescue, But tens of thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of more by supporting people, uh, more, and by supporting people in their journey to veganism. And we do that through tours, through our mentor program, which I know we're going to talk about later, through our cooking program. All those programs designed to hold, hold the hands of good-hearted people who aren't intentionally harming when they sit down to eat
1: love it. that you know, And I want to visit one of these days. I, I live on the opposite side of the country, but I'm going to make a special trip out there because it sounds like a beautiful and wonderful place. I, I It's on my bucket list now. Thanks, Kathy, for the infomercial because now it you've it got the top. me hooked.
2: Put it at the top of your bucket list. <laughs> alright,
1: alright. Linda, I want to talk to you. You know, you have quite a bit of formal training in nutrition and, uh, and food preparation as a chef. Um, and before there was a cookbook, entitled Compassionate Cuisine, there was a program by that name. I'd love for you to talk to us about the Compassionate Cuisine program that you've been leading for the past few years.
3: Yes, so uh, Compassionate Cuisine, the culinary program, the vegan culinary program is very much alive, and that was, in fact, the inspiration for the cookbook, Compassionate Cuisine. Uh, I came on board the sanctuary seven years ago, And we were at the tail end of renovating our guest house where people can come and stay. And in the guest house, uh, they were building a teaching kitchen. So I got there right before it was finished. And it was very exciting um, building something new, not only the house, but the kitchen and the program. So the first thing I did was um, establish a steady lineup of vegan cooking classes for the public and started getting the word out about the program and the goal The goal then was the same as it is now, which is to uh, inspire and educate and empower people to eat without animals. So uh, the classes that we designed then and we design now are for all skill levels. We welcome everybody into the kitchen, whether you're a vegan or you're an omnivore or you're just curious. Uh, And no matter where you are on that spectrum of plant-based eating, we have a class, uh, whether it's you know, Vegan 101 or Life After Cheese, which is one of our most popular classes. Um, And it's it's so much fun. Um, And we teach global cuisine. So there's just a variety. And it's really just all about good food. It's just about enjoying food, enjoying working with food, and enjoying eating without animals. So once we had the classes established, I always felt like in my heart uh, that we needed a cookbook so that people who could enjoy the recipes um, outside of the sanctuary. So we kind of held on to that dream, and then we went on uh, establishing other things. We created a food blog at casanctuary.org so that people could get our recipes no matter where they were. Uh, and so we had that going, and then we started a, a, a program on the weekend so that after people took a tour to meet our animals, they could come in and try vegan food, and maybe it was their first time taking a bite of vegan ice cream or a a grilled cheese. And we've moved that program forward with the help of Chef Sarah, uh, who, you know, she does full-on food demonstrations down on the farm, and it helps people, you know, not feel so intimidated about going vegan. And so, you know, we kept the dream of the cookbook alive. It's out in the world. We're getting great feedback. We're so, so happy and proud. And now we're thinking of new ways we can use to reach people and inspire them to go vegan.
1: I love so. it. And, and I got a chance to look at the cookbook as well, you know, as I was preparing for this show. And not only is it very user-friendly, because I am by no means uh, a chef, <laughs> to say it, you know, to say it plainly, I am by no means. But it was beautifully laid out, simple to follow. And um, and I've already tried a couple of the recipes, and they're absolutely delicious so I, I, I can't underscore enough to our listeners you can get out on the website casanctuary.org or even just google compassionate cuisine and you will find it um, it is definitely worth the time and effort it takes to get that cookbook in your hands Kathy one of the coolest things about the new cookbook compassionate cuisine is that it also includes stories about some of the animals at the Catskill animal sanctuary and I I'd love for you to share one of those stories with our listeners so they can get a little taste of what you've included in the cookbook.
2: I, that's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the reasons we wanted to include stories is because of what we experience here on weekends. People come down the driveway. They know we're not a petting zoo, so we make the assumption that People who come are are open-hearted people. And uh, yet when they are surprised by the animals, and they are always surprised by the animals, then that sort of gives many of them a a sense of urgency about what they can do. And so it's this... um, one of the one of the things we love about Sarah, and this is a long way of getting into your question, Jill. Sorry. Um, no worries. <laughs> one of the things we love about Sarah is that people come from having a cow lick their face. And having a turkey fall asleep in their lap. And they have this question, like, oh my goodness, help me, help me do this. I had no idea this is who they are. So we love that Sarah's there. And in the cookbook, I open with a really simple story that just illustrates what I shared with you, and it's just about the experience. It's just called Thank You, and it's just about the experience of walking around the farm in the morning when the day is just beginning and having animals that most people consider food come up to say good morning because they're in an environment where we are here to be of service to them. And so not only is there no fear they love us and they love period. And so it's just a really simple story of what it's like to walk over the hill. I live 400 feet from the main barn and to say good morning to the pigs who run up and (laughs) like, hello, hello. And then... To go into the barn where a goat presses her head into my thighs because she wants a massage and, you know, just, just strolling through the farm. And then when I'm what my, making my way up the hill, here come the underfoots. And the underfoots are this crew of free range, free rangers who are always underfoot. And, um, you know i'm just i'm trying to get up the hill but it's this, it's just a depiction of being surrounded like like Pummeled by sheep who all just run toward me because they see me and they know me. They sheep recognize, have the capacity to recognize hundreds of faces. They know me, they know my voice, and they just run up because they want to say, "I love you." And here I am in the middle of this massive sheep pile, and it was just a simple thing. Happens all the time. But it's a beautiful way to begin the day, and I, and I felt like a fitting way to begin the cookbook
1: i love that i absolutely love that um linda you know you and sarah are both graduates of the chef's training program at natural gourmet institute in manhattan and for just a moment i'd like for you to talk a little bit about your training and background so that our listeners have a a full appreciation for the expertise that you two bring to this cookbook
3: sure uh i want to say you know it's funny uh both of us having graduated from Natural Gourmet uh, and and to Kathy's point about good good education transforming you, that experience transformed me. I think I can say the same for Sarah. Uh, It was a a, a vegan, vegetarian uh, cooking school and being somebody who has basically grown up dreaming about food in my sleep uh, it was a great, beautiful way to take the plunge and just make food uh, something that I could build a career around. Um, but I, I want to say, though, even in talking about the experience we had there, it, was, uh, it wasn't just about culinary technique. It wasn't just about how to work in a professional kitchen, which is really you know, such an important part of culinary training. It was about the philosophy about you know, grounding yourself in whole foods cooking, about um, the food systems uh, that we're all a part of uh, and their impact on the environment, their impact on our bodies and the animals, of course. So it was really about eating real food, loving real food and, and what you know, comes, comes from the earth and mm-hmm. trying to live in harmony with ourselves and with the world that. around us. So that makes perfect just, sense. Yep. And, and, and what a great and training program. And we're
1: going to come back to this in, in just a moment. We've got to take a quick, quick commercial break. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this.
0: News. news opinion.
1: Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all tune in and join us. If you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guests today are Kathy Stevens, co-founder of the Catskill Animal Sanctuary. And we have Linda Soper um, Colton. I'm sorry, Linda Sopa-Colton, who is a chef um, who has helped to develop a cookbook that's based on a program at the Catskill Animal Sanctuary. It's called Compassionate Cuisine. And guess what? It's vegan. But you know what? Here's the cool thing. Um, This cookbook is so accessible that uh, even if you are just dipping your toe for the first time into the pool of veganism, you will find recipes that will rock your world. They are simple. They are delicious. And I highly recommend Compassionate Cuisine. Linda, before the break, we were talking about the fact that you and your co-author of the cookbook, Sarah, are graduates of the chef's uh, training program at the Natural Gourmet Institute. Institute in Manhattan. And we were talking about, you know for me, I like to know that I'm in the hands of experts. So your background and your training was really important to me in lending credibility to the cookbook. But I know that I didn't get a chance to let you finish uh, the thought that you were going with uh, as you were answering that question before we had to take a commercial break. So I want to give you a chance to do that.
3: Sure. And we were just talking about how the education at Natural Gourmet was so transformative and, and it gave us the professional credentials, if you will, to build our careers around food. But I wanted to say, I wanted to make sure that people understand that um, you don't need to be a chef. You don't need to be, have training to eat well and to love food and to be comfortable and relaxed in the kitchen, and you certainly don't need to be a chef to to, to make vegan food. Vegan food is just food. Um, but we wanted, you know we sought out a school that had a philosophy in in vegan and vegetarian uh, food so that we could hopefully have people trust us, trust us as instructors, trust us uh, in our food blog, and trust us in this cookbook so that they could open it up, feel comfortable, and say, you know what, I can do this. And we do that in our classes. It's all about this is simple, this is just food, and we want you to dive in and have fun. I love that. And I want you to talk That's about Linda's- one of
1: the
2: recipes.
3: Go ahead, Kathy, sorry.
2: That's Linda's favorite expression. I, I often take the classes just for fun, and um, she's doing this intricate process, and I, I laugh at her when she says it's because it's <laughs> simple to her but it is but it is uh, I do I will say that the book cookbook they really did try to emphasize recipes that nearly anybody could do even me
1: yep and <laughs> I, I could see that as I was going through the cookbook um, and and I appreciated that so much because a vegan lifestyle, if you've been an omnivore, could be so intimidating and you've made it so accessible with the cookbook. And in fact, I want you to go through one of the recipes with us, Linda, and talk us through the breakfast burrito recipe.
3: Yum! Uh, we just missed breakfast time here, so uh, I would have loved to enjoy that this morning. But uh, So that is Chef Sarah's recipe uh, that she contributed to the cookbook and it was based on the idea, a lot of people think of breakfast and, and you're on the go and you're busy, but you want to be full and kind of sustain yourself through the morning and, and all the busyness that you have ahead of you. And so the, the idea was to create something that was savory, not sweet, uh, and healthy for breakfast that you could take on the go. So it's the, this recipe for the burrito is based on a very familiar thing for a lot of vegetarians or vegans, which is a tofu scramble. So you can mm-hmm. make basically scrambled scrambled eggs, if you will, from tofu and you use just similar ingredients and, and uh, it's something yummy. But in this recipe, uh, to add more protein, to add more color and interest and keep you fuller longer, there was the addition of black beans and some other things. So it really kind of brings all that deliciousness into a burrito that you can freeze and then you can take to work. You can heat up in the microwave at work if you if you wanted to. Uh and I remember we made You could these. eat it
2: driving in the car.
3: <laughs> you could eat it driving in the car. <laughs> but we made these for the photo shoot for the cookbook and I just remember so vividly that, you know, we would make these recipes and then the photographer uh would stage them and make them look beautiful and we were literally like we had been up since four in the morning. We were literally drooling waiting to eat these and uh, they did not disappoint. So we're, it's just a really simple user-friendly recipe that you can take on the go and you can make them for dinner or breakfast or anything in between. Awesome. Kathy, I want to go to you because one of the most
1: common objections that I hear from people about going vegan is the concern that they'll miss out on protein and other nutrients that they believe they can only get by eating meat. What do you say to those folks, Kathy?
2: Jill, Ask me how I get enough protein.
1: How do you get enough protein, Just caffeine? ask me the
2: question. I eat. <laughs> so there's this great there's this great segment in a in a very popular uh, film in which a vegan doctor, very highly regarded vegan doctor, is asked that question, and he basically just goes down a list of how essentially, uh, virtually every food. You'd ever put in your mouth has some amount of protein and how pound for pound there is more protein in a pound of spinach than there is in a pound of beef. I mean it's, it's, we're so entrenched in this fairly recent way of eating. When, in fact, there's scientific um, evidence, lots of it, lots and lots of it. There, lots of your listeners, I'm sure, have heard of the China study, uh, yes. an exhaustive couple decades study by many researchers all, all over China, um, in which they found, undeniably, that the, the people who were poorest, who had the least financial resources and were therefore forced to eat vegan because they couldn't afford animal products were the ones who had the least disease. So you just get enough protein by virtue of eating a whole foods diet. Um, And Linda, who's the nutritionist, could speak even more to that, but I've never heard of a protein-deficient vegan and I talk to vegans all the time about it.
1: And Linda, it's I just, would love to give just. you a chance to talk about that because it is one of the, you know, the primary objections that a lot of people will put up. Um, beside, they don't want to admit,
3: I can't live without my cheeseburger, but they say, oh, I won't get enough I protein. Think, what do you say? It, you know, I think it's those those comments are based on fear, right? And And people mm-hmm. who are considering change. Uh, often are fearful of change, and so they cling on to things that uh, will keep them where they are. Well, I'm not going to get enough protein. I'm not going to get enough calcium or iron. And so you cling to that because it will keep you where you are. But if you really do want to move forward, there's just a plethora of information out there grounded in science that will tell you that you do not need animal products to get these nutrients. Um, Protein, and we do, I wrote about this, in Compassionate Cuisine in our cookbook, just to explain that, you know, we're obsessed with protein, as Kathy was saying, and we need far less of it than we think we do, and that you can get it from mostly all the foods that you eat, uh, that are whole foods, and your body will turn that into protein, and Mm. you're going to be fine. And the same with calcium. Um, You know, it strengthens our bones and, and supports our muscles and our nerve functions, and people think that dairy is the best place to get it. And in fact, it couldn't be farther from the truth. Uh, plant-based foods like, um, you know, greens, sesame seeds, and flax seeds, and beans, and almonds, and oranges, and greens, and, and sea vegetables, they all have calcium in them. So it's just, there's so many ways to get the nutrients you need from plant-based foods. And if, you're, if you want to do it, the evidence is there. And I would encourage mm-hmm. people to read the evidence and, and confirm that th- this is true and then have confidence and move forward. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Kathy, I want to go back to you because a lot of our listeners
1: care very deeply about the environment, but they're not vegan. They might be vegetarian or they may have cut meat out of their diet. Talk to us a little bit about the environmental impact of a vegan lifestyle.
2: I am so – well, let me – Talk about, if if I may, the the environmental impact of a meat and dairy diet, mm-hmm. because it's easier to talk about uh, talk about it from that point of view. We're we're at a critical point in history. The in 2006, the United Nations issued its first of many climate reports that said made front-page headlines all around the world, and the one in the New York Times, I believe, maybe the Washington Post, said, forget the Prius, go vegan. In other words, all those things that we, as environmentally conscious people, trying to have the smallest footprint possible, are doing pale in comparison to the results of making a choice to eliminate animal products. And... our consumption of animals, nobody, Jill, is trying to harm. Nobody is waking up in the morning and saying, I can't wait to torture animals today. I can't wait to screw with the environment today. We're just trying to eat. But now that we know the impact on the animals and now that we know that it takes that, that um our diet, our traditional standard American diet, is in most of the cases that I'm going to name the leading cause, but if not, then a leading cause of species extinction, deforestation, topsoil erosion, climate change, climate change, many, many, many um, uh, dead zones in the ocean that are the size of the state of New Jersey because of the runoff from factory farms that are choking out the nitrogen, is choking out the oxygen, and those are, those are big, vast areas of the ocean that can't support life. This is the consequence of a world population of of 7 billion eating 150 billion animals a year and that's just land animals when you add in sea animals it's trillions and science mm-hmm. is predicting that there will be no more edible fish by the yeah. by mid century
1: and that's, so, that's something you know, that we have to you, consider in terms of equity and, and even the social ramifications of that, let alone the environmental impacts. We've got to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we have much more with Kathy and Linda. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this.
0: World. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspiring really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com
1: Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. And in case you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guests today are Kathy Stevens and Linda Soper-Colton. They have just released a brand new cookbook that I highly recommend. It's called Compassionate Cuisine. It is a labor of love of many years uh, that has originated at the Catskill Animal Sanctuary, where they have been holding cooking classes by the same name, Compassionate Cuisine. And I I just... I, I can't recommend it highly enough to our listeners because it is so well done, so accessible to people of all levels of skill in the kitchen. So uh, even if you're you're not particularly uh, a gourmet chef, as I am definitely not, you will find recipes that you can create and enjoy with your friends and family, um, and I think you will really love it. Um, before the break, I had just asked Kathy about the environmental impact of our diet and And I didn't get a chance to let you finish, Kathy, because we had to take a commercial break. So I wanted to go ahead and let you finish your thought there.
2: Sure. Um, I think something that the, the talk about the environment gets, of course, very complicated. But I think something that everybody can remember is this idea that the human population is growing we're expected to be 10 billion by mid-century. The planet is not growing to keep up with the increased needs of that growing population, and it takes 15 to 20 times the amount of natural resources, 15 to 20 times the amount of energy, the amount, the amount of acreage, physical space on the land, the amount of topsoil, um, and the amount of what did I say water. Um, Water, energy, and land to feed uh, a meat-based eater, meat and dairy eater as it does to feed a vegan. And if we call ourselves environmentalists and we aren't looking at this, then it's time, like I'm pleading with those listeners who haven't yet taken an honest look at the impact of their choices three times a day to do so because making that one choice is going to have a far greater impact than all the others that that they might already be making.
1: That's such a great point, Kathy. Well said. Linda, I want to turn to you because um, as I was reading the cookbook, I was so excited about one particular section because one of the things that that has personally tripped me up with a vegan lifestyle is eggs. And it's not so much because I need to eat them, but because they really do play an important role in a lot of baked goods. And, and my family is a family of bakers. We like to bake things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you included a section in the book that talks about substitutes. And I'd love for you to share that with our listeners, because I have a feeling I'm not the only one who, you know, loves to bake and doesn't know how to do it without eggs.
3: Yeah, so uh, when people think about going vegan, if they can give up the meat and the chicken and the fish, uh, the next thing they, you know, they, they worry about, well, gosh, eggs, they're in everything. Uh, what am I going to do? But they're just, and they are heavily intertwined with baking, but um, we're not the first to say that there are so many ways to enjoy the same foods, the same baked goods without eggs. In fact, we teach classes that specifically focused on sweets and baked goods just to reassure people that, you know, you're, they're not going to be doomed to a life without cake or cookies. Um, so in the, in the book we have this this uh, help because I have a sweet tooth. I love to bake. I love to bake for people. And consistently, over and over again, people cannot believe that you can get the results without eggs. So we have this chart in the book that kind of helps people understand what it is they're looking for, and then how to substitute it. So, you know, eggs are used for different things. They can be used for moisture and richness. They can be used for binding in a recipe. They can be used for leavening or or helping things to rise. So it's what are you looking to do, and then what can you do to replace it? So whether you use cornstarch, you know, to thicken a custard, which you would normally use eggs, Mm -hmm. or if you want something that helps you bind your recipe together you can use flax seeds in water or chia seeds in water. You can use banana, which has great binding properties. And if you're looking to make something rise, a cake or your cupcakes, um, you can use you know, a little more baking powder, a little more baking soda, and that kind of adds to the rise of your end product. But you definitely don't need eggs to bake. And in fact, I, uh, I'm not gluten-free, so this works really well with, with regular flour. But I don't even use a substitution. I don't use flax eggs. I don't use chia eggs. The gluten in most regular flours, whole wheat flour, all-purpose flour, has enough binding to hold it together. So I make cookies and cakes and cupcakes and coffee cakes and you name it, and I don't use eggs, and nobody knows the difference. And I defy people to, to, to taste something and to tell the difference between something that was I, baked. With I, eggs
2: so do
1: I. I was chocolate. just
2: going to say that.
1: Yep, And you can't that, tell
2: the difference.
3: You really can't,
1: and and even just a little substitution I made over the weekend. This is totally, you know, taking a, a rabbit trail. But um, I I made a chocolate cake um, and some chocolate frosting from scratch for my family, um, and. And substituted for the eggs and substituted almond milk for regular milk and didn't tell anybody. And they said it was the best cake they'd ever had. They and, loved and, it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it can be done. Did and, you, you know, tell them be, afterwards? Did you tell I'm, them afterwards, Jill? I did. And they were like, wow, we might be able yeah, to do this the after. Yeah, you tell them after. <laughs> so, Kathy, I want to turn to you for the next question, because you have a really cool program at the Animal Sanctuary called the New Leaf Vegan Mentor Program. I love this. Tell our listeners about the New Leaf Vegan Mentor Program.
2: Well, New Leaf is the the passion project project of a woman named Alana Kirschenbaum who's been here since... Uh, since she came the same year, Linda did, I believe. She's been here for seven years. And um, we're always looking to have the greatest impact that we can to create and support as many vegans as possible. And Alana saw a gap and said, you know, people need hand-holding. So she designed a free vegan mentor program to offer to people anywhere in the journey. I just want to experiment with breakfast. I want to try meatless Mondays. I am great with everything except for eggs. I'm fine with the diet, but please help me veganize my personal care products. So no matter what your desire is, we have a trained vegan mentor That you, that Alana matches you with online and it's been wildly popular. It's just a few months old and it's already, it's already being used by people in 26 countries.
1: Wow. Oh, that's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. I, I love it. And and I want to remind our listeners of where they can get online and find information about the Animal Sanctuary, but also your programs. And that's casanctuary.org. And you can click on uh, the information about the programs and find newly Leaf Vegan Mentor Program and get involved. That is fantastic. Great job, Kathy. You know, Linda, I want to talk about another recipe. Great job, because Alana. <laughs> I, I want to give our listeners just, a, you know, I want to whet their appetites and tease them a little bit with some of these recipes um, because it's it's summertime now and a lot of people are going to be having picnics and I personally grew up having deviled eggs as a routine component of summer picnics. I would love for you to talk us through your recipe for deviled potatoes.
3: I would be so happy to. So this is a great recipe, I think. In fact, we just served it at our annual fundraiser, Cocktails and cowtails, in New York City a couple of weeks ago, and it was one of the hors d'oeuvres. And we literally, literally could not keep them on the plate. There was one guy <laughs> standing there and did just less. popping them it into didn't last too long. So this recipe, in fact, I created it for a cocktail party that we were hosting at the sanctuary for our animal sponsors. Uh, and we wanted to bring our sponsors to the sanctuary, have them have some animal time, and have a beautiful cocktail party for them, all vegan. And so we needed to make finger foods, and I thought, you know, deviled eggs are something that people love. And I said, well, you know, how can we do this? And one of the things that we do when we develop recipes is we try to meet people where they are and say, okay, so if people are expecting certain things, how can we give them similar flavors, similar textures, things that they're comfortable with because um, that's kind of the the basis of what we do. We want to help you to feel comfortable with what you're doing and and like you're not entering into some strange new world of eating. It's just food, right? So the idea was let's take these little tiny potatoes, uh, inexpensive and we'll cook them, and then we'll make a filling. And we, I thought to myself, I'm like, how do I make a filling that's creamy and kind of taste and look the same as, you know, egg yolks? So I used chickpeas. And so using chickpeas and then some of the same ingredients that you would use in regular deviled eggs or traditional deviled eggs, uh, mayonnaise, which is vegan, and some of the spices and the same things, and you blend it. And we used something called black salt, uh, which is an optional, ing- an optional ingredient, but it has a sulfury kind of smell to it, so it added that really eggy taste to it. Blended it in the blender, and you put it on top of these little soft cooked potatoes. Uh, added a little turmeric, so it's a nice spice that's healthy, and it makes it kind of yellow and golden. And people could not believe that these. that that it tasted so familiar to them and it's healthy and it's humble and it's, you know, it's inexpensive and it's just a great recipe for parties because it gives you, it's just a great um, conversation starter when you serve it. So lots of fun.
1: Yeah, it's so cool. And and you've got so many of these recipes. I mean, we could literally talk all day about, you know, so many of the recipes that you have in the book. But I want to encourage our listeners to get out and get a hold of this. It's called Compassionate Cuisine. And the easiest way to get a hold of it is to go to the uh, Catskill Animal Sanctuary website, which is ca casanctuary.org. But really, if you just Google Compassionate Cuisine, you'll find it. And you got to get a hold of this guys it's it's just tremendous we're going to take a quick commercial break but when we come back we've got more with kathy and linda so don't go away folks there's more go green radio right after this
0: streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voice Take a wild guess, how much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%?
1: Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you're with us today. So glad that we have Kathy and Linda with us talking about a brand new cookbook called Compassionate Cuisine. And it is uh, a project that has emanated from an amazing place on earth called the Catskill Animal Sanctuary and I want you guys to check out their website it's casanctuary.org so many great things to learn and Kathy as the co-founder of the Catskill Animal Sanctuary I would love for you to talk to us about all the different ways that people can interact with and experience the sanctuary you have so many ways to do that give us a few of those ways that people can get involved.
2: Oh, my goodness. Well, we've got an – and all these things are accessible right on our website, of course. We've got the cooking program. We've got the New Leaf Mentor Program. We have volunteer opportunities. We have internship opportunities, lots of college kids here in the summer. Um, every, and every now and then, some sort of mid-career professional wanting to make a change. We have a beautiful, fully renovated uh, inn Guest house built in 1813. I have my own podcast that's about to go live in a couple of weeks. People can check that out on our website in a couple of weeks. It's called All Beings Considered. Um, mm-hmm. We have, uh, what, else, what am I missing, Linda?
3: We've got a camp. We have camp, camp kindness. kindness. We have that's a that's
2: summer camp. Nice. Camp kindness, t- camp kindness, four weeks, four weeks. Four weeks, one, you know, one week per child, child signs up for five days. That creates little leaders to go back into their schools and communities to help impact change. So there are all kinds of ways whether you come at this primarily for the animals, primarily for your own health, or primarily for your, from your concern for the environment.
1: I love it. You know, and I'm dating myself with what I'm about to say, but I used to love the movie city slickers. um, Mm -hmm. And it occurs to me when you said that sometimes people mid career will come to the Catskill animal sanctuary. I I couldn't help. The first thing that flashed into my mind was Billy Crystal and his crew um, going to, to Russell cattle. Mm -hmm. And, and I was thinking you guys are like the 21st century version, (laughs) the, the kind and compassionate version (laughs) of of city slickers. I, I love it. Um, You know, Linda, I've got to have you talk about another recipe because my mouth is watering. I love the cookbook so much. And as we go into summer and, you know, the 4th of July is right around the corner for those who are listening to the show live. A lot of people include buffalo wings in their summer picnics and 4th of July celebrations. And I would love for you to walk us through your recipe for buffalo cauliflower with blue cheese dressing.
3: Yes, this is just such a fun recipe, I think, and we have served it uh, not only in classes and events, but for staff uh, meetings, and uh, it's just people are wowed by it. And it just the principle behind it is something so simple, which is often it's not the animal product that people Want when they 're eating ribs or wings it 's the flavors, so it 's that spicy punch or it 's that creamy dip, and so the wing or the rib or you know whatever that is that 's the vehicle that delivers on the flavor promise of something spicy in your mouth and something exciting to whet your appetite so uh, cauliflower makes a great uh, vehicle to deliver that, that taste, so it 's healthy. Um cauliflower is such a great vegetable. Uh, I think it was named, you know, the vegetable of the year maybe in 2018. Everybody was making all kinds of things, <laughs> cauliflower steaks mm-hmm. and everything with cauliflower and it is very versatile. So it's just you make a simple batter with familiar ingredients like uh flour and cornstarch and some onion powder, uh that kind of thing and you've got a batter and the sauce is is regular buffalo sauce. We just use vegan butter instead of uh, dairy-based butter. But you can buy a hot wing sauce, and you make this quick, simple little sauce that goes on them after you take them out of the oven. And then the dip is also just simple ingredients. It's vegan mayonnaise um, instead of egg-based mayonnaise. And we put a little crumbled tofu in there to kind of mimic or give you that um, texture that you get with a blue cheese dressing. And it is There will not be any leftovers and if you're (laughs) bringing it to a summer party (laughs) this season, I would make a double batch because you're going to eat one at home while you're making them and then you can bring (laughs) the second one to your party. But uh, like many of the recipes, it's all about how you deliver the flavor and the texture um, and you just don't have to use animals to do that.
1: I love it. And, and you know, for all of our listeners who are into zero waste and reducing food waste, there you go. Make something so delicious. There's just none, there's just no leftovers. So <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, Kathy, I wanted to give you a chance to just kind of freestyle here a little bit. I, I want to make sure that, you know, you get a chance to give some parting thoughts for all of our listeners, and I, I want to give you plenty of time to do that. In the final moments that we have in the show, what parting thoughts would you like to leave with our listeners? Ooh,
2: thank you for this opportunity. Um, life to me is very simple. We're here to give and receive love and joy. We have the greatest gift one can be given. We have the gift of a human body. I could have been a rock. I could have been a pig. I could have been algae on a river. So we're at a point in our history where science says we've got a decade before this planet is unrecognizable. And since we know what we know and since we know further, we since we know what we know about the impact of our diet on everything that we hold dear. And since we know further from two studies on the nature of social change that it takes a minority of people to usher in massive social change, one, one study said 10%, the next study said 25%, so that just goes to show you about studies, <laughs> but it takes a minority, my takeaway a minority of people to usher in whole-scale change once the world deems that something is unacceptable. This is unacceptable for all the reasons we've, we've been talking about for the last hour. So I plead with the good people who listen to your show, the people who have big hearts, who are listening because they want to figure out how to have an impact to understand the power of the fork, we have the capacity, if enough of us make this change, to sustain for future generations this beautiful planet that we have had the privilege of knowing. So please consider what we've thought about, we've been talking about. Please do your own research. Please go to our website, and please use your body and your mind that you have been lucky to receive for the good of all, because we're at a point in history when, when humanity, life itself, needs the very best from each of us. And that's my speech.
1: I love it. And you know what? You've
2: got your your first
1: big fan to your upcoming podcast because I can't wait to get more of this, Kathy. I mean, what you said is so profound. And at a time when, you know, I deal with a lot of young adults, I work with them in my nonprofit organization, the Go Green Initiative. Um, We work with schools in all 50 states and in 73 countries around the world. And I meet with high school and college students who really want to have an impact and they're confused. Um, You know, they're not sure if they should go on strike. They're not sure. Or if they and should terrified. make the poster and, and protest. Um, and many of them are going vegan for what, exactly the reasons that you said because they know what a huge impact it could have. But I think it underscores a really important point, which is the personal responsibility we all have. We can't let government and policies be the only thing we hope for in order to save our planet. So I want to thank Linda yep. and I want to thank Kathy for being for on the show. And I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us. We're going to be here Same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. So until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green.